really going to help people. Thank you. It's something that's really been working in my heart and in my life, and uh, I believe it's going to bless you too. I've uh, been studying it for, for quite a bit and honestly just looking to bring it into my life as well. We don't want it to just be on the pages of the book. We want it to be in our heart, and we want it to be in our life, so it changes our life, and so it, it just empowers us to overcome the enemy and to, to live a life of victory. And um, so turn to 1 Peter chapter 1, and then I'm just going to read you a passage of Scripture because I really feel like uh, this is kind of the, the now word in the season that we're in, and really kind of the lens that we, we should view everything f- through uh, as we are waiting on the return of Jesus. But I, I mention it all the time, but you guys don't have to turn over. I'm just going to read it. Isaiah 60 and verse 1, it says, Arise and shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and deep darkness the people. But the Lord will arise over you, and his glory will be seen upon you. And the Gentiles shall come to your light and kings to the brightness of your rising. So um, I, I believe that, you know, in, in the times that we're living in, I mean, there's definitely plenty of darkness and uh, there's gross darkness. And I, and I can't promise you that that is going to change in the days ahead in, in the sense of the state of the world. But you don't have to be worried and you don't have to be sad. In fact, you can be excited and you can be happy because, I mean, oh, the king is coming. Amen? But now... Um, before he comes, how many know that that we are to shine the light to everyone, to give everyone an opportunity to to hear the good news and to hear the gospel and and to find out that God loves them and that God is is for them. And so, uh, you know, we're we're still on assignment, amen? How many know you don't get born again and just go to heaven? You're still on earth, and you, and you still have a, a part to play. I mean, everyone in here is a minister, right? You're a minister of reconciliation, and um, that's the call of God upon all of our lives. And so uh, there's plenty of darkness out there. We could talk about it all day long. We don't have to, but what I do want to talk about is the light that's within you. How I many you know you are a letter? You're an epistle, and um, you know your people are going to meet you, and they're going to, they're gonna, you know, not everyone's going to crack open a Bible, but how many know they, they can have an encounter with you? And, and people can have an encounter with God through your life, and God wants his light um, to shine out of us into a dark world, right? It's a part of our call, right? It says, arise and shine, for your light has come. The glory of the Lord has risen upon you, right? God wants to rise on you. How many know God wants people to see Jesus in you? Amen? And... Uh, it's a part of our, of our calling. Now, you don't have to do this in your own strength. You don't have to do this in your own ability. How many know God's going to do it? He's going to do it all through us. Now, our part is we yield to that, and we allow that to happen, but um, at the same, in the very same breath, you're not going to do this in your own strength because God actually gets all the credit and all the glory for everything that happens in our lives. Amen? How I many know we don't grunt and strain to bear fruit? Very important to understand that. It's not, we're, we're not called... To, um, to self-effort Christianity. I mean, you know, this is not a self-help class, and I'm not going to give you seven ways to achieve or any of those things. We're going to talk about the Lord, and we're going to talk about his provision for your life, and we're going to yield to that, and then we're going to cause fruit to, to come forth. And so we are called to shine in the season that we're in. Everybody in here, you have different realms of influence, you know? 
Ethan's going to meet people that I'm not going to meet. I met somebody the other day that knew Dan Bell, praise God, and uh, he couldn't think of your name, but uh, he mentioned you, and he said you outworked all the, all the younger guys, and, uh, and he started talking about you, and then I realized who he was talking about, and I said your name, and he knew who it was. He works at the same place that you work. So anyway, um, we're... We're, we're, we want to have an impact on the world around us, amen? We want to have an impact on the, on the place. That, how do you know we're not to be afraid of the darkness? Okay, get it, amen? We're not to be afraid of it. There's nothing to fear here, right? We're not, we're not called to be afraid. We're not called to be worried. We're not called to be anxious. God's kingdom is moving forward. God's kingdom is flourishing, and that light is going to shine out of us. And how many of you know there are people who are going to come out of the darkness into the light as a result of your life? Amen? And, and so, um, so yes, so we want that, right? Now, I want to, that, so that's, I feel like that's the season that we're in, period. But the next thing I want to talk about here is I want to talk about the word blessed. I mean, we use the word blessed a lot, and, you know, blessed is throughout Scripture, and they talk about blessed, and I'm blessed, you're blessed, and we kind of use that word a lot, but I want to actually take a look at what that word actually means in the Greek so that we have some understanding behind it. And um, it, it is the, it's the word makaros in the Greek, and it's Strong's number 3107. And this is what it, what it literally means is to be happy, to be happy. And so um, and the literal definition of this is happy to be envied, happy to be envied, happy. And so how many know that, that I would say that most people on this planet want to be happy? Now, a lot of people are trying to pursue it in the wrong way, right? Ethan just wrote this great paper in high school about how money doesn't necessarily make somebody happy. And, um, and he, you know, just wrote all this stuff down. And, and how many know if, if you want to find out that money doesn't necessarily make somebody happy, all you got to do is take a look at Hollywood. Those people are not happy. Those people are miserable. And, and uh, you know, I mean, they're, they're, they're you know, they're, I mean, they're killing themselves. They're 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 in and out of you know relationship after relationship. They have fame. They have fortune. You know, they have good looks. They have money. They have you know they have influence. But how many of those people are not happy? In in one of the quotes that Ethan wrote in his paper, and it's something that I quote quite often, but it was of a musician, a very dark musician, and he said, "You don't know what true misery is until you have everything that you've ever wanted, and you're still miserable." How many know that is the definition of worldly success, right? Uh, because how many know that the devil and this world does not have the ability to bless? You can't bless. I mean, everything the devil touches turns to, to junk. And But this world, you know, how many know when you're watching a commercial, they're not showing sad people drinking beer? You know what I'm saying? They're not showing sad people eating yogurt. They're not showing sad people eating cookies. What They're showing these people, it's like this yogurt and these cookies are the greatest thing in the world. And yes, I'm so happy because I'm eating yogurt. Why do, why, why do they do the marketing like that? Because they know that everybody wants to be happy. And so they're trying to sell their product saying that if you do this, then you're going to be happy. And, and, and how many know that if you haven't noticed... I mean, you know, there's nothing that can make you happy for long. You know, I ate some Nutter Butters last night. I was happy when I ate them. Praise God. I wasn't happy this morning because <laughs> I ate all of them. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Praise God. So there's a temporary sense of happiness with things 
And, and, and how many know, once again, how many know a person can't make you happy? Right? And, and so, but the blessing of happiness and joy, how many know it comes from the Lord? There's a joy that's in the Lord. And, and I'm saying all this to say, to say this. There's a happiness, a blessing that God wants to bring on your life that's going to cause you to shine. And people are going to be drawn to you. And when they're drawn to you, you direct them to Jesus Christ. Y'all tracking me here? But if we allow this world to bring fear in, and we allow this world to bring worry in, or we... How I many you know if, if we live angry, we're not going to be drawing people to us? How I many you know Jesus had the ability to draw people to him? Come on, sinners. And if we live in anger or we live in depression or sadness or we live in condemnation, all of these things, how I many know that many times we don't look any different than what the world looks like? People wouldn't know we were a Christian if we didn't have a Christian t-shirt on, right? And so I'm saying that God wants to bless you and make you happy, number one, because he loves you, but number two, so you can shine. Because how many old joy is attractive, right? How many old peace is attractive? And see, the devil tries to say he has happiness and joy and peace, and so he has all these great, you know, they do all these special effects in movies and commercials and television, and he presents a lie as if it were truth. And the reality is, how many of you know, those things can't make you happy? How many of you know, sleeping with person after person after person does not make somebody happy? But yet it's presented to the young people that this is going to make you happy. But it doesn't. How many of you know it leads to misery? How many of you know all sin leads to misery? It may look good on the front, and the Bible says that sin's pleasurable for a season, but the end game of that is death. And so God wants to bless us with happiness. And I encourage you to study it out. That's literally what it means. If you look at it and amplify it, it says it. To be blessed is to be happy. Now, do you have to have all your ducks in a row to be happy. No, not in the kingdom. How I many you know you, you can have joy during trial and tribulation? You can have a peace that's beyond your circumstances. Y'all hear me? I'm talking about something stronger than your circumstances. If we need the world to go perfectly in order for us to be happy, we're never going to be happy. If we need everything to fall into place politically for us to be happy, we're never going to be happy. If we need all of our relationships to be perfect in order for us to be happy, we're never going to be happy. Amen? But God has a happiness that he wants to bless us with, number one, because he loves us, but number two, because he wants us to shine the light. Amen? And so uh, in 1 Peter chapter 2, is where, where I actually ask you to turn, I want to take a look at, at an attack of the enemy to try to make you miserable. An attack of the enemy to try to make you miserable. And so, how many of the Bible says we're not to be ignorant of his devices? I'm not here to focus on the devil. I'm here to focus on Jesus. But at the same time, uh, it says we're not to be ignorant of his devices. And I, what I want to do is I want to teach you how to guard your heart 
against something that can make you unhappy when really you shouldn't be unhappy. You should be happy and thankful. Amen? And, and so in 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 11, it says, Beloved, I beg you as sojourners and, as, and pilgrims. How many know that's people traveling through? How many know at the end of the day, this world is not our world, right? And I don't mean necessarily this physical location. I don't know where the new heavens and the new earth are going to be. I don't want to argue about that. But I know the spirit of this world and the way this world conducts itself is not ours. How many know God's kingdom is different than the way this is, right? Beloved, I beg you as sojourners and as pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul. Now, that word lust has a sexual connotation on it, and, but I want you to understand that it, 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 doesn't, it shouldn't have just a sexual connotation on it. We're going to take a look at it in the Greek and take a look at what that word actually means. How many know you can actually lust after a car, a house, a place, a person? Right? And, that, and the word for lust in the Greek is the word epithumia, and it's Strong's number 1939, and it means a longing for what is forbidden. A longing. I want that, but I can't have it. And so that long, see, so fleshly lusts war against the soul, against your mind, your will, and your emotions, right? This world runs on lust, covetous lust. What, commercials, how many of commercials are trying to build within you that if you just had that, you'd be happy? See, we don't watch a lot of commercials on our TV. Like, we don't, we don't have a lot of commercials. But we do have commercials on, uh, in order to watch some sports. I have to, I have to do uh, Hulu Live in order to watch sports. We don't do cable anymore. And so, like, we don't get a lot of commercials. Man, the co commercials are awful. I mean, they're just like, well, I'm just like scrambling for the remote, like, turn that thing off before my four-year-old sees it. You know, it's just ridiculous, but it's okay. Darkness cover the earth, girls' darkness, it's okay, I'm going to shine. But when we watch those commercials, Eli's sitting there, you know, with me. He's like, Dad, I want that. Dad, I want that. I want one of those. I want one of those. What's happening? Well, how many know that commercial is to build within an individual, if I had that, I'd be happy. And how many know, you know, and Ethan wrote about this in his paper, you know, when we get Eli, Eli loves Legos, and we get Eli some Legos, he's so happy when he first gets a Lego, right? A week later, that Lego's in the bottom of the car. What we need? Another Lego. Another Lego, another Lego. And I mean nothing against Legos or anything like that, but, but what I am against is, is thinking that something can fulfill us outside of Jesus Christ. And this concept of lust, this concept of epithumia, this longing for something, listen to me, will keep you unhappy. Yep. Fleshly lusts war against the soul. Listen to me. If you think the grass is greener somewhere else, I mean, oh, that, that's the concept. Grass is greener. Well, I just got to have that. Well, if I could just be there, if I could just have this. How many know, have you noticed that once you get to that patch of grass, suddenly other grass looks greener? And then when you get to that patch of grass, suddenly other grass looks greener. What is that? That's epithumia working. See, and we're going to get here in just a minute, but listen to me. Godliness 
with contentment is great gain. Everybody say contentment. God wants to bring you into a state of being content and thankful for what you have. There's power in that. Now, I'm not saying don't, don't, don't dream and don't, don't aggressively pursue your goals and all of these things. How many you know God wants you to go out and knock the doors and God wants you to do the stuff? Can I get an amen? God wants you moving forward. But how many you know we should be able to enjoy the journey as we move forward rather than always chasing after a greener patch of grass thinking that grass is going to make us happy? Because if there's one thing that you, that, that, that you learn as you get older, I think, or if you, it's, it's, it's available to you to learn, is you realize that no matter where I stand, the enemy's always going to try to make grass look greener somewhere else. And, and, and some people, they live their entire life going from grass to grass to grass to grass, spouse to spouse to spouse to spouse, car to car to car to car, house to house to house to house, thing to thing to thing to thing to thing, never satisfied. Because epithumia, which is a product of this world, is warring against their soul, never giving them peace, never giving them satisfaction, and never making them happy. You ever see those stickers on people's cars that says, never satisfied? I always just think, why in the world would you put that on your car? I mean, maybe I don't understand what that actually means. I don't know. But, but... But this epithumia, it's a real thing, and it's, it's one of the things the enemy, and, you know, and I asked Casey to make this for me, but just to give us an example of this, let's pretend like this is a jar of unhappiness. Like, I had a jar filled with unhappiness. How many know no one here is going to go and drink out of this jar? Because ain't nobody want to be unhappy. But the enemy is always trying to pour covetousness, epithumia, lust, that longing in you. He's always trying to pour it into your heart and into your mind to ruin your joy and your happiness. Because here's the thing. You can, have, you can have a beautiful day, sun shining, perfect weather, ice cream. You know what I'm saying? Like, good day. T-bone steak, ice cream. But if, if epithumia, if covetousness is in you, listen to me, you won't enjoy it because you'll want what somebody else has. And you won't be able to enjoy what you have. And this is one of the ways where the enemy tries to pierce people through with many sorrows. And, and, and where, where um, because people always want a little bit more. Always want a little, if I had a little bit more, I'd be happy. And the conclusion that God is saying is like, nothing this world can give you can make you happy. Because you weren't designed to be satisfied by this world. You were designed to be satisfied by me. I mean, Jesus said, you know, in the scriptures, he's a shepherd. They will lead you beside the still waters to make you lie down in green pasture. Where's the green grass at? Where the Lord is. Yes, sir. And you can learn that early in life, or you can learn that late in life, or you can never learn it. But, but I'm telling you right now that being content and happy and thankful is not the product of how well things are going in America or in this world. 
being content and happy and thankful is being connected to the vine and knowing that the Lord will never leave you, he will never forsake you, and he's going to be with you to the ends of the earth. These things come from God. But we have got to learn how to guard ourselves from letting the enemy pour some unhappiness into our life. I mean, all you got to do is just see one commercial. There's a commercial. There's a car. It's like, well, my car stinks. I wish I had that car. Here comes some epithumia. Rather than being thankful for what you do have and enjoying it, all of a sudden now, if I just had that, I guarantee you when you get that, it's not, it might be enough for three months, but it ain't going to be, eventually there's going to be another commercial. And here comes that epithumia again, pouring it right back in you. Right? It's the truth. And what we want to do is we want to we keep the enemy from pouring any of this garbage into us and learning how to guard our hearts because fleshly lusts war against the soul. What happens? When this thing's going on, on the inside of you, how many of you know you're miserable even though you should be thankful? Hallelujah. It's a real thing, man. All right, 2 Corinthians chapter 10. And 2 Corinthians chapter 10 in verse... 12, piece of wisdom here. It says, we dare not class ourselves or compare ourselves with those who commend themselves, but they measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves are not wise. Such a wordy way to say that, but how many know that you're not called to measure yourself with somebody else? And if you are measuring yourself with somebody else, I mean, you, know, you are setting yourself up for misery and failure. You are not called to be somebody else. You are called to be you. And can't nobody be like you except you. And you should never, ever deny the world of who you are by trying to be somebody else. God made you. He didn't make a mistake. There's, you don't, your fingerprint is different than, just your fingerprint is different than anybody else on this planet. Think about how much more unique your spirit is. Think about, I mean, if one single snowflake doesn't look like another snowflake, think of how much more of original. How sad is it when we all try to be like somebody else? One of the things I love about our church is, I mean, no, we don't look alike. We don't dress alike. Thank God. If everybody tries to dress and look like me, there's something wrong. There is. Because I'm trying to replicate me. How many know that you're not a brick in somebody's building? How many know you, you, are, you are, if we go out to that garden out there, and the, every piece of fruit that comes out, out of the, off of all the stuff that Dan planted out there, every tomato, every cucumber, how many, everyone's unique. And should be, because it came from life. We're not trying to replicate somebody else. You ever go to church and everybody looks the same? They all dress the same? And you know, and I'm not trying to like, I'm not trying to be critical towards anyone necessarily, but what I'm saying is who you are, you should have the freedom to be who you are in God. And it's gonna look different than the way I am. And how I many know I shouldn't be so insecure that I gotta try to make you look like me? And you shouldn't be so insecure that you gotta make me look like you. How I many know we have to, out of a place of growing on the vine, allow some originality and allow ourselves to be who we are? Because the fruit that you 
bear is going to be delicious to somebody. And, the, and I'm talking about witnessing and, and shining the light. And the fruit that I bear is going to be gross to some people. There are some people that won't listen to me because of the way I look. It's true. But there are some people that want to listen to me because of the way I look. And so, like, God's like, I don't need y'all all looking the same. I don't need y'all all talking the same. What I need is the spirit of my son coming out of you in the character of Jesus, love, peace, joy, kindness, goodness, gentleness, meekness, and let it go through your vessel so that you can have a pure and original expression of Jesus in the earth that's unlike anybody else. And when you try to be like somebody else, you cut all that life off, and then you got this manufacturing. How many know what's growing in that garden is better than anything in a wrapper? Everything in a wrapper was made by man. Flooded with sugar and, and processed this and processed that. Everything comes out of that garden. You can eat that and it will give life to you. We don't need cookie cutter Christians in packages. We need real authentic people who are who they are, who are comfortable in their own skin. So when you compare yourself to somebody else, you are setting yourself up for failure. You can't successfully be somebody else. If you're trying to be somebody else, you're going to be miserable because you're not designed that way. <clears throat> Y'all tracking me here? No, you need to be you. You be you. You are enough. Amen. Amen. And, and God will... And how many know there's growth in who you are? And... And, and there's growth in the expression of Jesus out of you. And those things are going to happen as you, know, as you fellowship with the Lord. How many of you spend time around somebody, you start to act like them? How many of you spend time around the Lord, he starts rubbing off on you? Amen. And, so, and that's one of the reasons we come together. That's one of the reasons we seek after God. But we live in a day and age where there's so much, there's more ability to compare yourself with other people than there's ever been because of social media. So you can get on social media, and I don't care what you're currently interested in, there's someone else that's 6,000 billion times better at it than you are. And they've been doing it forever. Now, if you look at, now, it's good to be inspired by people like that, but it's bad to compare yourself and bring yourself low. Because you know what happens? This jar of unhappiness, this covetousness gets poured in you. You start longing after what somebody else has and who they are rather than enjoying what the Lord's given you and being who you are. And there you are. You can't live your own life because you're too busy watching somebody else live your life, live their life. How I many of you that's currently the way this whole land is set up? People don't live. They watch other people live. Let me watch a movie. Let me watch a show. Let me sit on my couch and not live life. Let me watch somebody else live life and then feel bad because I'm not living the way they're living. Most of them are actors. Most of them are accomplished liars. I mean, I hate, I mean I'm not saying that all actors are bad. There's some godly actors that are out there. There's some people who represent the kingdom. But as a whole, most of those people just know how to lie. Same for the politicians. Truth. So 
Let's not watch people live the life we want to lead. Let's lead our own life. And you know, and I had to cycle out of some social media because of this. I had to, I had to move back away from it. Because it was making me feel bad about myself and making me feel bad about my life. And it was pouring epithumia into me. <clears throat> now, I still, social media is a tool. I mean, most of us are here because of social media. We have a strong online church. I'm thankful for social media. Amen? It's a blessing. But at the same time, how I many know everything's basically a two-edged sword? It can bless you or it can hurt you. And if you're scrolling through social media, you're scrolling through uh what are all this stuff? Instagram and TikTok and, you know, and we're on TikTok right now and that's great. And Snapchat and, and Facebook and, and any other things that I don't know. If you're scrolling through that and you're comparing your life to somebody else's and it's leaving you feeling like you're not good enough and your life isn't worth anything, you need to shut that voice out of your life. You need to turn that off. You need to turn that TV off, turn that movie off, turn that YouTube off because if it's pouring discontent and, and covetousness into your heart, it's not worth it. No amount of entertainment is worth your contentment. Come on. Let's shut the door on it. How many of you have the ability to shut the door on it, right? Let's shut the door on it. Turn to uh, 1 John, please, chapter 2. And, and so what I've done is I'm seeing it in my own life. And here's the thing. Once I've made a decision <clears throat> to start guarding my heart against this covetousness, you know what's happening to me? I'm enjoying my life more. And you know what happens when I'm enjoying my life more? This is important. I am a better witness for Jesus. Why? Because when I'm walking through Kroger... I'm not looking at everybody else wishing I had their life. I'm actually walking through Kroger not thinking about my life at all. You know what I'm thinking about? <clears throat> I'm thinking about how can I be kind? How can I help? How can I minister? How can I serve? What can I do? Where's the opportunity at? <clears throat> and when you get your attention and your focus off of you, that's when you start to really enjoy your life. Because you are not designed to be self-focused. You're actually designed to be Jesus-focused. I mean, you know, all things are created by him and all things are created for him. He's the center of everything. Nothing works without him, okay? And when he's the center of your life and you're living your life as unto him, then everything you do has purpose. Everywhere you go, there's an opportunity to help somebody and be kind. Now listen... Legalism will tell you, you have to do these things in order to be blessed. Who's the center of that focus? You. Well, I'll be blessed if I do this. Well, I'll be blessed if I do that. Well, I'll be blessed. That's dead works. You can't roll like that. That'll kill you. No, you're already blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. How many of you have received Jesus Christ? You already got it all. You don't got to chase nothing or nobody to try to get more because you got it all. Amen. That's very important to understand. No, the reason, how many know freely you have received? Right? So freely you give. Amen. Changes everything. So fun. So when you're driving in your car, don't be thinking about who's going to cut me off. 
Think about who can I let in front of me? Amen. Who can I help? God had me pick somebody up the other day. Again. How many know you better be led by the Spirit of God when you do that? I'm not telling you to do that as a principle. I mean, when we tell people to do things based on principle, we get in trouble. We talk about principle. Well, you must always do that. No, no, no. How many know you can't help everybody? Who you called to help? Who the Lord leads you to help? Can I get an amen? If you give to everybody, I mean, like, how many know you will have nothing? Because there's more need than there is supply because this world is messed up. But I was walking. <coughs> there's a big guy who looked really rough, had dreadlocks, and to look at this guy, I'm thinking, you know, probably shouldn't pick this dude up. How I many know oh, it's easy to judge a book by a cover? But down here, pick him up. Not a word, not God speaking to me, just a want to. How I many old oh, spirit leads in different ways? I just kept wanting to pick him up. And like, I was letting Stacy's mom, parents' dog out, and they're out of town, and I saw him walking. And I want to. And I came back by, and there he was. Stage is set. Now, how I many you know, and just going back to the whole legalistic concept, I don't have to pick him up to be blessed. I don't have to pick him up for God to love me. I don't have to pick him up. I don't have to. I don't have to. I don't have to. You never have to. But you might get to. And that's the biggest difference in the world. So I slowed down, and I picked him up. He hopped in the car. He's the nicest guy I ever met. His name was Tamias. He, he, was going to, he was going to work. His car was messed up, and uh, he was a cook there at a, at a, at a, at a local uh, kitchen there that we have in, in, uh, in the town that I live in, and his car was messed up, and he was just walking. You know how thankful he was I picked him up? You know what I'm saying? And, like, we talked the whole way. I shared my testimony with him. Like, it was beautiful. It was, it was something that God foreordained. It was a beautiful thing. But when I'm out, I'm, I'm looking to help in the smallest way, in the, in the biggest way, and it's, I'm happier. I'm a happier person. And I'm telling you, this is how we invade darkness. This is how we shine the light. This is how we bring the people in who are going to come. Jeremiah, did you lead them to the Lord? Did you pray with him? I didn't feel that too. How I many of oh, that's a principle? I felt led to be kind to him and good to him. You know what I think? I think I'm going to get another chance. I think I'm going to see him out walking again. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to pick him up again. What's happening? God's working. God's working. Some people do not want to hear what you have to say until they find out that you actually care about them. And sometimes, you know, when we're winning the loss, it's one sows, one waters, one reaps. <clears throat> or maybe I'll never see that guy again. But God was working. You follow me? And, and so I, I say all that to say that the, 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 but how many you know if I was driving and I was so consumed with how, man, I wish I had a different, and I picked him up in my little Kia, my little black car, it's beat up, it's rough, you know what I'm saying? But it drives good, it gets good gas, I'm happy, I'm thankful for it. But how many know if I was driving and the only thing I could think about was how I hated my car? My car stinks. Man, I wish I had a different car. Oh, man, if I had another car, I'd be happy. Oh, blah, 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 blah. I mean, I'd be so consumed with my own misery 
that I would not have the ability to reach out and help somebody else. You know, when I dropped him off, I was happier than when I, before I picked him up. Why? Because it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. When it's done out of the leading of the Spirit, and I'm not saying any of this to, to I'm just giving you an example of my life. I'm just giving you something that, that, that God's doing inside of me. If I'd have been consumed with, with epithumia and how upset that this wasn't, how many you know, never, everything in your life is never going to be perfect. Like, it just ain't going to happen. On this side, we have to, uh, we have to learn how to let the Lord bring contentment into our life now, today. Amen? All right. 1 John chapter 2, verse 15. It says, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the Lord. And the world is passing away, and the lust of it, but he who does the will of God abides forever. Once again, this word lust doesn't have a sexual connotation on it. It's the word epithumia. Now, it can include sexual things, but it's not just sex. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes. How many you know this is how the world operates? The world runs on lust. Most people aren't happy. Most people aren't content. They're chasing after something all the time that they think is going to make them happy. How many of you know a person can't make you happy? If you think a person can make you happy, you're going to be really not happy. Disappointed because they can't. You know, when I'm ministering like, you know, home, you know, homeless shelters and you know, we couldn't bring the people from the shelter here today because they had like a COVID outbreak break, and so they don't let people out when that happens and all that type of stuff. But when I minister there, you know, and they have like a women's shelter and a men's shelter, a lot of those women think that they just need to meet the right man. And how many know that the right man cannot make you happy? Can I get an amen? Old person, how many, it's the man, Jesus Christ, right? Another human being can't make you happy. If you think that a human being can make you happy, you're building a potential marriage on the wrong foundation. A person can't make you happy. Why? Because they're people. How many of people are messed up? We is some of those people, right? We need Jesus. We all need Jesus. The only person that can make you happy is Jesus. The only person that's never going to fail you is Jesus. Do not place your happiness in the acquisition of another human. Or don't place your happiness in the human that you already have. Y'all tracking me here. These things can't, it's not going to do it. Only the Lord can do it. So <clears throat> this world runs on lust. It runs on covetous lust. Everything is got to have, 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 right? And that's not, how many of you know that system is going to pass away? How many of you know there's a new system that's already here, but is going to dominate the earth? Amen? How many of you know God's kingdom don't run on lust? God's kingdom don't run on covetousness. God's kingdom runs on righteousness, peace, and joy. Amen? Now, let's turn to uh, Ephesians chapter 4, please. Now, I want to just show you a little bit about what this covetousness does to somebody. Like, it has such a negative... And I, I'm, I'm exposing it 
so that I can encourage you to guard against it when it tries to happen. How many know it will try to happen at any time? How many of you can just be walking through the mall and all of a sudden it's like, boy, man, look at my life. Oh man, look at me. I'm not, you know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not. Instead of being content and thankful for what you have. Amen. Hollywood has proven to us. You know, a great example of this, I think, would be Angelina Jolie and Brad Pitt. A few years ago, there they were. I mean, two very attractive people, very wealthy, rich, famous, got it all. They were just the power couple in the world's eyes. Angelina and Brad, they're so awesome. Everyone wants to pay money to watch them be awesome. How many know that they split, they hate each other, and they're in the process of a massive legal battle? How many know that Hollywood painted a picture of this awesomeness that we all, not all of us, but that the world wanted, oh, if we could just... Oh, if I could just have Brad Pitt, if I could just have Angelina Jolie, oh, 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 all that bunch of garbage. And how many know that the curtain got pulled back and we found out there was trash back there? Because without Jesus Christ, Angelina and Brad ain't going to be happy. I don't care what you look like. I don't care how much money you have. I don't care what you got. You, you cannot be content and happy without the Lord. And even with the Lord, as a Christian, you got to stay focused on the Lord so that this world ain't pouring unhappiness in you all the time. Oh, if I just had this built. Oh, if I just did this. Oh, if I just did that, right? Mm -mm. No, God's going to teach us how to be content right now. Amen. There's nothing wrong with having hopes. There's nothing wrong with having dreams. There's nothing wrong with wanting to move forward. Those things are good. But do it out of a place of being content and thankful. Can I get an amen? Right? <clears throat> you can take your spiritual temperature by your level of gratitude. I mean, we take our temperature, take our kids' temperature, our temperature, and see where you're at. How thankful you are is where you're at spiritually. When you are thankful, you are seeing clearly. When you are not thankful, you are not seeing clearly. And that's pretty much the bottom line. You focused on the wrong things. The enemy doesn't want you to be thankful. He doesn't want you to be content. He doesn't want you to be happy. Why? Because you shine. He can't afford you shining. You might shine into the darkness and convert one of his folk to one of God's folk. <clears throat> Ephesians chapter 4, verse 22. It says that you put off concerning your former conduct the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts and be renewed in the spirit of your mind that you put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. Corrupt according to the deceitful lusts. That word corrupt is the word pathiria, and this is what it means. Defile, destroy, to pine or waste away, to shrivel, to wither, Moving down from a higher level to a lower level. What are you talking about? You ever seen a piece of fruit rot? Everybody, everybody's seen rot, right? Lust rots your heart. 
rots your mind. Brings in rot. Stinks. See, that the deceitful lust, the covetousness, the epithumia, this device of the enemy. How many know rot smells bad? If you give, if we give place to this covetousness, how many know that that rot can leak into all of your thoughts? All of my thoughts are, I'm not, I'm not good enough. I'm not this. I'm not that. Oh, if I were just skinnier. Oh, if I could just lose some weight. Oh, if I just had some more money. Oh, if I just had this position. All of these things, <clears throat> and where the epithumia is present, it's causing erotic. And there's an absence of joy. You know, I was, I was sitting on the porch with my daughter yesterday, and a part of maintaining the peace in the home is, uh, you know, keeping the kids happy, you know. And so, and, I, and so we're sitting there, and, you know, and, and man, everybody wants mama right now, you know what I'm saying? Praise God. And, uh, but there was a rock on the ground. And so I grabbed that rock, and, and it was a little round rock. And on the other side, we had painted a um, ladybug. So I gave that rock to Lily. And man, she was so happy to have that rock. I mean, she just joy, joy, joy. Oh, I got this rock, rock, you know, and she's looking at it and all of these types of things. And how I many, you know, a child, I mean, you know, they, Ethan and Lily, they're so young, they haven't experienced a lot of this. And so their happiness is easier to attain because they haven't been in the world that long. Eli? Give Eli a good stick, and he's, and he's happy. Loves a good stick. We have sticks everywhere. Sticks in the car, sticks in the house. It's a good stick. He loves a good stick. You know what I'm saying? Good stick and make him happy. He loves a stick, right? And so, like, their quality of life in some ways are hot. How I many know oh, there's a billionaire on a yacht right now miserable and not as happy as Eli with his stick? Y'all tracking me here. And why is that? Well, because they haven't had an opportunity to spend all this time in the spirit of this world. And this world runs on covetousness, right? How many know it's important for us to teach our children that things aren't what... Now, listen, you got to have things. How many know you got to have things? How many know you got to have gas money? Come on, somebody give me an amen. You know what I'm saying? You got I'm not, I'm not against... Things. I'm not against any of these things. <clears throat> you got to have those things. God wants to supply your needs according to his riches and glory. God wants to take care of your needs. But you have to know that these things cannot make you content. A person can't make you content. A place can't make you content. Contentment comes from the Lord. Contentment comes from the Lord. Contentment comes from the Lord. Amen? And... and Let's turn to Hebrews chapter 13 and we'll start taking a look really at the answer to, to what we've been talking about. I've been exposing the problem. Have y'all seen times in your life where this discontent would try to come in, right? I mean, I feel like I've, as I've preached this, we can all see where it tries to come in. But listen, we can guard our hearts against this. We can take a stand against this. Amen? A, for ourselves, but B, also for the world that we live in because the world we live in needs the light shining out of you. And unhappy, discontent, angry, offended Christians don't look much different in the world. 
just different bumper sticker. No, I want the kingdom. Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 5, it says, Let your conduct be without covetousness. It's that same word. Be content with such things as you have. For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you, so that we may boldly say, the Lord is my help. I will not fear what man can do to me. Let your conduct be without covetousness. What does that mean? That means today, God wants you living your life without allowing covetousness to be poured into you. Be content with such things as you have. Why? Why should you be content? Because of this. He said, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. How many know he, Jesus, is your contentment? Jesus will satisfy you. Jesus will. Amen. And when God brings contentment into your heart, how many know you can have a higher quality of life than someone who has so much more than you have, but they don't have the Lord? Y'all tracking me here? You know, Eli, happy with his stick. Lily, happy with her rock. Me, happy in my Kia. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, just, and I'm not saying God doesn't want to bring great things into your life. I'm not saying God will bring great things into your life. And God will bring blessings into your life. But how many know that the greatest thing God can bring to your life is himself? He's greater than all of this stuff. God wants to bless you with things. God wants to bless you with relationships. God wants to <clears throat> bring a spouse into your life. God wants, to, God wants to bless you. But at the same time, he's like, I'm, I'm greater than anything I can bring into your life. I'm the best thing you have. And if you'll know that I'm with you, then a contentment can be brought into your life where the enemy can't pour unhappiness and covetousness in you and make you think the grass is greener somewhere else. Because lust is never satisfied. It can't be satisfied. It's impossible. It's a negative. It's a black hole. You can't satisfy it. How I many of you know, from, 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 a, from a, even from a sexual standpoint, people that are addicted to pornography and stuff like that, how I many know that, that people don't arrive to a place where they're satisfied in pornography? Oh, I've had enough pornography. I'm good. No, no, you need more. That's how sin is. Sin won't be contained. It demands more of you. It demands more of your time. How many addictions the same way? Someone never gets to a place, well, you know, I've had enough cocaine. I've had enough pills. No, no. You may have enough for today, but tomorrow you're going to want more. Because what you had today won't satisfy you tomorrow. Y'all tracking me here. This, this, this evil thing in the Greek, it's called epithumia, this covetous lust that, that, that really runs this whole world, <clears throat> it cannot be satisfied. It cannot be appeased. It will always demand more. And so how do you get rid of cancer? You cut it out. You get it out. How many know covetous lust? How many know we get it out? Now listen, this covetous lust, it can't touch your spirit. Your spirit's born again. It's sealed. But how many know it can wage war against your mind? And on a beautiful sunny day, when you should be thankful, 
you can be miserable because of this tool of the enemy. And we want to shut the door on this and we want to guard our hearts against it all the time. Because it's always out there. It's so sad. It's everywhere. It's everywhere. The whole world runs on it. And man, if you can walk through the earth as a content and satisfied person, you stand out. You don't walk and talk like everybody else. People can't even figure you out. Because they're like, what's wrong with you? Don't you want something? You know, I see it happen all the time in the gym. Like, there'll be a young, pretty girl coming to the gym, barely any clothes on, and I'm not going to stare at her. Because I'm satisfied with my wife. Right? By the grace of God, I'm satisfied. And so when I don't stare at her, it bothers her. Because she thinks there's something wrong with her. Which is so sad. So when they, when they do everything in the world to try to get me to stare at them, and I don't, purposefully, <coughs> A, because it's wrong and she's a daughter. You know, one of the things I think is so sad is young girls don't have father figures to look to because so much perversion has been developed in men that they, can't every, they think every man wants something from them rather than being a father. I hate that. that. That bothers me so much. Most of these young people, they have nowhere to go and nowhere to look because they feel so threatened by everywhere, everyone that they're at and they think that their value is in their ability to generate lust in somebody else. Their ability to get people to look at their pictures or look in their direction, they think that's their value because they don't know that they have value outside of their body. That is a tr that's something the enemy's normalized in the land and it's wrong. They should be able to have a father figure. They should be able to trust men. They should be able to come to somebody and they're not going to take something from them. They want to help them. I hate it. It's evil. And so because the youth have been so sexualized through everything that's going on, that's in the land, like, where are the fathers at? Well, they're all wrapped up in pornography. They're all wrapped up in staring at things they shouldn't be staring at. And listen, I'm not against them. I used to be one of those people. But God wants to set them free so that they can be a safe place for a woman to go to. So that she's not used, that she's not abused, that she's not looked at as an object. Preach, brother. Amen. It's wrong, man. Yes, sir. It's wrong, and, and God has a higher standard Come on. than what we currently see. Come on, brother. But the, the, change, the change happens in us. Yes, sir. We are the, we may, and we don't do it in our own strength. It's all, about the, it's all about Jesus. It's all about His ability. It's all about Him. But it's wrong that a young woman can't have a safe place. And so when I won't stare at them, and I won't look at them, and I won't partake of covetousness, then they think there's something wrong with them, and they start to feel self-conscious and feel like they, maybe, they need to maybe eat less, or they need to do, I, I, can, see, I can see their confidence fall as I won't look at them. 
And it's evil because their confidence shouldn't be in their ability to generate lust. Their confidence should be in who they are in Christ. I see it happen all the time. I'm saying no to that system. I say no to it. Yes, sir. I'm off that boat. Yep. That is not my party no more. No. I'm free from that. I'm going to set a standard by the grace of God. Yes, sir. I'm going to be a safe place. Yep. And slowly, like, you know, when I'm out and eating the gym and stuff like that, these young girls know that they can talk to me, and I'm not trying to get anything from them. Just being a person, talking to another person. And when I see somebody coveting after me or lusting after me, you know what I do? I treat them as a human being, and it wakes them up out of the spell. What are you talking about, Jeremiah? Somebody looking at me or something like that? I'm like, hey, what's up? How are you doing? I'm a person. You're a person. You don't have to live like this. Y'all talking to me here. It's a spell. It's a nasty, horrible thing. We don't have to live like that. <clears throat> and God has the answer. But when, when, when a man or a woman walks content in the Lord, all of a sudden, you're like separated from this nasty system of covetous lust that's in this world, the pride of life, the lust of the eyes, and the lust of the flesh, and like you're free from it. But like you have to guard your freedom because that system's always trying to pull you back in, always trying to get you unhappy, and you have to guard against it. And when the enemy's trying to pour that crap in me, I say, no thanks, man, and take a stand against it. Amen. I mean, you have to guard your heart. How do you guard your heart? You guard your eyes. You guard your ears. You, you're careful what you look at and what you see. There's whole swaths of Instagram that I'm not on anymore. I can't be. Why? Because everybody's half naked. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, you open that thing up and it's just like, I don't need that. And here's the thing. I'm still on Instagram. Why? Because I'm going to preach the gospel to these kids on Instagram. You know, I'm not going to pull back. Instagram isn't evil in and of itself. It's a doorway into people's lives. We have a doorway into people's lives right now. I'm going to use that doorway. <clears throat> it's dumb for the church to say, well, the TVs are the devil, the internets are the devil, the radios are the devil, the social medias are the devil. No, man, it's a tool. Get your butt on there and shine. You follow me? But then you, you also have to guard your heart because it is a war zone. It's a battlefield. Praise God. So... Closing, and in summary, how do we, and then 1 Timothy 6, 6, godliness with contentment is great gain. How do we stay out of guard our hearts from covetousness? And then we're going to take a look at one last piece of wisdom and we're done. But it's, how do we do it? Well, how I many know we got to trust the Lord? You know, when David entered into his season of failure with Bathsheba, you know, there David was, and, and uh, here, this man has everything. I mean, he's got you know, golly, all these wives, he's rich, I mean, he's famous, he's got it all. But how many know the enemy's always trying to say, hey, you need a little something else? And there he is, and he looks out and he sees Bathsheba. What is Bathsheba? She's off limits. Yeah. <clears throat> she ain't yours. She's somebody else's. Whew. Man. And his covetous lust caused him to take what was another man's, a faithful man, a good man, have that man killed, 
And the Lord, when the Lord rebuked him, how many know this is a man after God's own heart? How many know God loves David? How many know God loves you? But how many know none of us are exempt from the enemy's attempts to destroy our lives? From David to Solomon to us. And just because you failed doesn't mean your failure defines you. You can arise out of failure. Amen. By the grace of God, God's not going to pull back his forgiveness from you. God loves you. God's for you. But God doesn't want you living with fleshly lusts that's warring against your soul. He wants to set you free. Why? Because he's your dad. And he don't want to see you hurting like that. He also doesn't want to see you hurting other people. But when the Lord came to David, he said, all you had to do was ask me and I'd have given you whatever you wanted. Why did you feel like you had to take what was another man's? Now, how I many know oh, God's not going to give you multiple spouses now? Can I get an amen? Because you can't handle it. Praise God. All you can handle is one. Amen? That's all. Yeah, and you need Jesus to do that. Amen? But, but what I will say is when, when covetousness starts to arise in our hearts, in our lives, we are trying to find pleasure outside of the Lord. What are you talking about, Jeremiah? If you're struggling with something and you're dealing with something, talk to God about it. God will bring a change. Can I get an amen? Sin and, and all that junk is trying to be satisfied apart from relationship with the Lord. He said, be content with such things as you have knowing I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. How many of God will bring some, how many of God will bring a new car into your life? God will bring a new job into your life. God will bring something into your life. But listen, you've got to know it's from Him. When it's from Him, it has value and it's a blessing. And you know what? When you see it, you thank God for it. And your heart is filled with gratitude because you know it was God. How many know that, that when David took Bathsheba, God didn't do that. David did that. Now, God, because of his amazingness, redeemed the whole situation. And then Solomon comes from Bathsheba because that's how awesome his redemption is. I mean, he's amazing. God will take everything you messed up and he'll make it look amazing. But at the end of the day, remember who did it. And let your heart be filled with thanksgiving. Not and, and contentment as a result of what the Lord has done. Amen? And so we don't want to compare ourselves with other people. We want to guard our eyes. We want to guard our ears. We want to guard our gates. We want to be aware of covetousness. How many it's good to be aware of it? Because how many know it can hit you at any time? You can live in it and be miserable, or you can be free from it, but the enemy's always trying to get it in you. Any way that he can. <clears throat> and you got to guard against it. How you do it? You keep it from happening. Don't long after what's not yours. Don't long after what's not yours. If you want something to be yours, talk to God about it, and God may bring it into your life, but it's going to come from Him and not from yourself. Y'all tracking me? When I'm longing after something that's not mine, I'm setting myself up for misery. God doesn't want that for us. Amen? All right, last place when we close. Philippians chapter 4. The final thing I want to talk about and the, and the thing that helps guard us, and I've alluded to it a little bit, is being thankful. Thankful. When you are thankful, 
Such a powerful and simple truth. How many know that thankful people are happy people? Thankful people are content people. Thankful people don't have this epithumia running in their life. If you meet somebody that's thankful in the kingdom, there's somebody that's happy. How many of you they're shining? How many of you we live in a world where most people are disgruntled and unthankful, offended and mad? Christian and non-Christian. Be different. Be different. Because here's the thing. How many of everybody in here, how many know if God never did another single thing for us as long as we live, we have enough to be thankful for for eternity right now? So what is, thank, what is being thankful? It's reality. It's actually seeing things as they are. When you're not thankful, you don't have reality. You ever see an unthankful child? You know how miserable it is to be around an unthankful, entitled child? No matter what you give them, they're not going to be happy. Because this is in them. You can, how many of you could pour, you could give this child everything in the world, but if this covetousness is in them and in their minds as <clears throat> a part of the, the spirit of this world, they will not be happy with anything you give them. Why? We got to get this out of them. More stuff isn't going to satisfy this. It won't. And I mean, one of the ways that we help our kids is we set a, a, a tone of thankfulness in our own homes. How I many thankful people help create thankful people? Just like respectful people help create an atmosphere of respect. You can change the environment of wherever you're at. Amen. You have the power to, through the way that you, sh you carry yourself. Amen. I've, I, 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 I've, I've had a tremendous impact on the gym that I go to. And it's not because I'm standing up there preaching all the time. It's because of the way that I carry myself. I'm not bragging on Jeremiah Johnson, because I'm telling you right now, Jeremiah Johnson can't do nothing but die by himself. Come on, brother. Nothing. Nothing but die. That's all I got. Stupidity and death. <laughs> it's the truth. It is the truth. It is the truth. It's the truth. And I'm cool with that truth because I need Jesus Christ to do everything. I was thinking today, the greatest miracle that I've ever seen is that God has caused me to want to serve him. Stubborn, rebellious, strong-headed idiot. And I stand before you today like I want to do God's will. That's the greatest miracle I've ever seen. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. I mean, for, for, and for any of us, right? That God would be able to subdue our hearts. Be, Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving. With thanksgiving. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which passes understanding, will guard your hearts through Jesus Christ. We're not going to turn there because no, we don't have time. 
Colossians 4, chapter 2, continue earnestly in prayer, being vigilant in thanksgiving. Vigilant. <clears throat> I'm going to be vigilantly thankful. Y'all tracking me here? What are you doing? You're guarding your heart from covetousness. Be thankful. Thankful for the sunset. Can I get an amen? Thankful for the sunrise. Thankful for a good cup of coffee. You know what I'm saying? If you're into that sort of thing, you know? Thankful for a good meal. Thankful for, for, for a place to live. Thankful for a hot shower. Thankful for... Thankful! All of a sudden now, your quality of life starts to get higher and higher and higher. <clears throat> and all of a sudden, this epithumia garbage gets evicted out of your heart and out of your mind. And you can enjoy your days until the return of Christ. Amen? I'm not going to succumb to the darkness. The darkness is going to succumb to the light in us. Amen. You are not called to lay down and let darkness run over you. No, you're called to shine the light. But don't fist fight darkness. You lose fist fighting darkness. What are you talking about? I'm talking about getting into the carnal and in the flesh and trying to fight, 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 fight in the flesh. No, 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 no. Light don't fight with darkness. It shines. It just shines. Amen. Your contentment is powerful. It'll change the world that you live in. It'll change the world that you live in. It'll change the world that you live in. You know, and, and men, you know, talked about men. Flee youthful lust. What are you talking about, Jeremiah? You should be a safe place. 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 How do you do that? Man, you got to let the grace of God drive that crap out. Amen. Amen. God's got a higher standard than what this world has. Amen? And so, you know, and, and, and the final thing I will say, and don't turn there, but Ecclesiastes 2.9, we see where Solomon got wrapped up in this stuff. Solomon said, I became great and excelled more than all who were before me in Jerusalem. I mean, Solomon said, hey, I can do it all. I'm going to build stuff. Okay, I'm going to give myself to wine. Okay, I'm going to give myself to laughter. Okay, I have 700 concubines, 300 wives. Great, greater, but listen, this is the way he's comparing himself. Listen, greater than all that were before me. What's Solomon doing? He's comparing himself with other people. And he was the greatest. But if you look at Ecclesiastes, if you'll notice, he's miserable he forgot the most important thing. At the end, he comes back to himself. He said, okay, vanity of vanities. But at the end, he comes back to the Lord. I mean, you know, we can travel around the mountain all we want to, but at the end of the day, the only thing that's going to make you happy and satisfy you is Jesus. Amen. And man, let's, let's guard this place of contentment. I've been doing this in my own life, and it's making my life better. I mean, you know, you don't need other grass. Water your own grass. Can I get an amen? Water your grass. And fertilize it too. Can I get an amen? Hallelujah. Fertilize and water your own grass. Grow your grass. Enjoy your grass. <laughs> and mow it. Amen. <laughs> Praise God. Man, you ruined the moment, man. No, I'm just kidding. But like, in this contentment, like, this world shouldn't have the ability to penetrate your heart with lust. Let's, let's, let's break that 
off of our lives. Amen? And a big part of it is just being aware of it. Don't compare yourself with nobody else. Amen? Enjoy your life. Be thankful. Be thankful. Amen? Be thankful. So, amen. Cool. It's good. All right, cool. Um, 